to the Indian Creek Baptist Church podcast. Thank you for joining us today. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. Our website is www.indiancreekbaptistchurch.org or our email address is info at indiancreekbaptistchurch.org. It is our sincere hope that through this podcast, God will speak to your heart and touch your life so that you may grow closer to him. Again, welcome back. Last week we took a little uh, sidestep from going through the book of Esther and we began to look at uh, the season. Uh, Tis the season of Christmas and we looked at some of the prophecies last week of Christ's birth uh, starting in the book of Genesis and then went to Galatians and Isaiah and Micah. 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 Anyway, uh, this week we are going to begin in the book of Luke and start to see Christ fulfilling some of those prophecies. Leading up next week to, uh, we'll read through Luke chapter 2 and see his birth and then go on to study uh, the wise men that came to visit and how they uh, reacted and interacted with the Lord. So this week we're going to start in Luke chapter 1 and we're going to be in, start in verse number 26. Now, Luke, as many of the other, a couple of the other, as Matthew did and as uh, I think John did, Luke begins by giving uh, a brief history of Christ's lineage and Christ's birth. He takes uh, the first part of the book of Luke, though, of chapter 1, to talk about Zacharias and Elizabeth and the birth of John the Baptist. And that's why we're going all the way to chapter to verse number 26 to start. Uh, so the Bible says in Luke number chapter 1 and verse number 26, And in the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee, because, because, or blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou hast conceived, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. We're going to stop there for just a minute. 
Let's pray. Father God, again, we love you and we thank you for this glorious day. We thank you for this time of year that we take to celebrate the birth of your Son, our precious Lord and Savior. Lord, I pray as we study through uh, these first tellings of Christ coming to this earth, Lord, that we look at Mary getting the news that she is going to bear, the Son of God, and we look at her interactions with Elizabeth and Joseph. And I just pray, Lord, that you would help us to see and understand how we should react to you, Lord, that you would help us to see and understand your love and your care for us in all that you've done and all that you were doing. So, God, please guide us and direct us today. Give us wisdom. Help us to see and understand your truth. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Last week, we started in Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3 is where uh, Adam and Eve, after being created, uh, had their first issue. They, uh, Eve saw the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that God had told Adam not to eat of. And she desired it. And we understand uh, even those from a very basic, with a very basic knowledge of the Bible would understand that God told Adam. He gave Adam the instructions of what he should and shouldn't do. And he expected Adam to pass those on to his wife. And uh, even from the very beginning, the husband was uh, designed to be the head of the household, was designed to be the one that was responsible for everything that happened for teaching and nurturing and growing his wife and his family. And we see that Eve, while she was told, something was lost in the translation, something was lost in the telling, and she began to question, and she desired uh, the fruit that was on that tree as something to make her wise, something that she didn't have. And When they ate of the tree, of course, uh, they their eyes were open and they realized they were naked and they were ashamed, something they should never have been with each other. And they hid from God. And this is where we see for the very first time that sin destroys our relationship with God. It destroys our fellowship. It doesn't mean that God was any less their creator. It doesn't mean that God was going to not guide them and direct them and not love them. It just means that they and their guilt and shame hid themselves from God and we know that God came and sought them in the garden as he did every other day. He came and sought to walk with them in the cool of the day. And they were hiding. And as God questioned them and found out what had happened, he began then to bring down judgment. But even in his judgment was grace and mercy and sacrifice for Adam and Eve. So we see this in verse number 15. As God is speaking to, to the serpent, to the devil himself, he says, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. We talked last week. It says her seed because this was going to be a very special child. This is the prophecy of the virgin birth that we see uh, fulfilled here in Luke chapter 1. Here in Luke chapter 1. The Bible tells us that the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city to a virgin girl who was espoused to a man. And his message was simple. You will conceive a child and he will reign on the throne of David forever. He will come after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And he will be the Savior of all. This is God 
fulfilling a promise he made all the way back in the book of Genesis. Giving that way for mankind to come to know him. Why is this so important? Why did it have to be that virgin-born son? Why did it have to be the seed of the woman? Well, first, because it was prophesied that way back in Genesis. But second, in order for a redeemer to be a redeemer, we, we looked at the book of Ruth uh, in Sunday school earlier this year. And we know that uh, Boaz is a picture of the kinsman redeemer, the one that came and... and uh, Paid all of the the uh, debt of Naomi and and bought everything that Naomi had sold and restored her to her place and included Ruth in all of that. But in order for that kinsman redeemer to be able to redeem, he had to not be in the same position that those that were seeking redemption were in. As we've been going through the book of Judges. We see the children of Israel, they sin against God and, and they fail and begin to serve other gods. And then uh, they God punishes them and then they repent and they turn back to God. And God raises up a deliverer. He raises up a deliverer, not a redeemer. The deliverer is temporary. He raises up a man or a woman from among the people who arguably is different, who is desiring to serve him. But then that deliverer fails. As, as the deliverer passes away, the children of Israel return. True redemption can only come through someone that is not in the same state that we were in. Because in the book of Genesis, when God created Adam and Eve, he created Adam first. In the image of God created he him. And he made Adam perfect. He took Eve from Adam's rib and, and created her and made her perfect. And then he put them together and made the perfect family. And then they sinned. From that time on, every child that was born of that, that marriage is known after Adam's image, not after God's image. Even Seth, Seth who uh, raised his children... Uh, to be godly people, to follow God, where we get uh, Naomi, or where we get um, Noah, where we get uh, Lamech, we get all of these, or not Lamech, Enoch that walked with God. We get all of these great men in the book of Genesis that that were pre before the flood, and then of course Noah that went through the flood and placed his faith and faith and trust in God. Even Seth was after the image of Adam. He was born with that nature of sin that entered the world when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. Because of that, no one that was born of a man and a woman here on earth could be that redeemer. It had to come from God. And it had to come through the woman because that nature is passed from the Father. He had to have a righteous and holy nature instead of a sinful nature. That godly nature could only come from God. Thus, the child must come through this earthly virgin. 
What does this mean for Mary? What does it mean for us? We need to understand that at this point in the book of Luke, Mary is simply living her life. She is looking forward to getting married. She is, she is living the life that she believes that God wants her to live. And she is following God. The angel Gabriel says that she's found favor in God's eyes, that she has been uh, blessed among women. How does that compare to us? God gave her grace and favor because unlike those around her, he saw something different in her heart. He saw a life that he could use. What does he see in our lives? Last week we then moved on to Genesis chapter 12 and Genesis chapter 49 and we saw the promises that God gave to Abraham and, and to Joseph and the sons of, of Isaac or the sons of Jacob, the sons of Israel. And here in Luke chapter 1, Gabriel tells Mary that her son Jesus will rule on the throne of his father David for all eternity. Now this is not saying that Jesus will have any earthly father that has, and we've already understood that. It is telling us, though, that Joseph, who the Bible tells us is of the family of David, will now take responsibility for this child to raise him as his own, knowing full well that he's not. So even here in the angel's message to Mary and Joseph, uh, to Mary at this point, we get the full picture of salvation. As a man is willing to take and adopt a child and raise him who he has no responsibility for. This is God's salvation at its most basic level. God is willing to take each and every one of us into his family, out of the family of our father the devil, and give us his name and his heritage. All we have to do is ask. I remember when I was three years old, mom and dad got married and... and uh, I remember, I actually remember sitting in the courtroom in Nevada, sitting behind the big long table, and the judge talking to me and was coloring and kicking my feet and asking me questions. I remember the judge asking me if I wanted to be my dad's son. Of course, I said yes. <laughs> and that day, the judge granted legal authority of me to my dad. He made me his son. Back in 2014, Rachel did the same thing for our children. We sat in a courtroom with a judge and a recorder. and The judge asked us questions, wanted the history of what was going on. And then he granted legal authority to Rachel to be their mother. What tremendous love. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Here the angel Gabriel is telling Mary, You are going to be the vessel that brings that only begotten Son to this world. All the way back in Genesis, he promised Eve 
that this day would come. The other thing that we need to understand in all of this is that God's timing is not our timing. For Adam and Eve, they would have loved for the Son to have come immediately. That's why they named Abel, Abel. They believed he was that promised seed. It took several thousand years for Christ to come to this earth. For us, God has made even more promises. He's promised that one day we will spend eternity with him in heaven. That there will be no sorrow. There will be no tears. All because his son came to this earth and died for us. And for those who have accepted that gift, what a joy it will be. But those who have not will get to spend an eternity in the lake of fire and torments. While today, those of us that believe God can look around at the world and think, it might be tomorrow. It might be tonight. We really have no idea what God's timing is. Honestly, it could be another 2,000 years. We don't know. We do know that God is faithful and it will come to pass. As the angel is speaking to Mary, it's interesting for me to see and understand her reaction. Mary takes the news of this visit from the angel Gabriel and and really only has a few questions. The first is, how can this be? In her earthly mind, she, she understands how babies are created. She understands what it takes. She understands that she hasn't fulfilled that part, so she has a question. This is a legitimate question. So, Gabriel answers it. In verse number... Thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Verse number 34, Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. We so often talk about the Holy Ghost coming and indwelling us as believers when we get saved guiding us and, and directing us through our study and our, our, our walk with God. Here the Holy Ghost is going to come and actually bring the Lord Jesus Christ into Mary. 
And as she's troubled, as she asks this question and receives the answer, Gabriel begins to reassure her. He tells her that she's highly favored. That God has found her worthy. That the Lord is with her. This is the phrase that was repeated in Genesis as Joseph is being rejected by his brothers. I would imagine like almost every other Jew who was living under Roman rule at this time that that she was wondering where God was. She couldn't see God anywhere near her. We know as we get into chapter number 2 that Caesar Augustus is going to make a proclamation and they're going to have to travel from their home to go and be taxed, to be counted and taxed. Aren't you glad that we just have to write a check and mail it in? We don't have to travel all the way to Washington, D.C. to be counted and taxed? I know we're not glad that we just write a check and send the taxes in. I know we're not glad. We don't even, half of us don't even write a check anymore. I don't write a check. It just comes out of my pay all the time. Thankfully, I don't have to end up owing anything at the end of the year, but Mary and Joseph are going to have to travel. The thing for us here, though, is to understand that even though Mary might not have been able to see God, even though Joseph, as he was in the pit and in Potiphar's house and in the prison, Joseph wasn't able to see God, that God was with him. He might not be working and blessing in your life, right now but he's right there waiting and working to reveal himself to you it might be that like adam and eve for some reason we're hiding ourselves from god that we've broken that fellowship we need to seek him and repair it mary's last reaction to all of this is the most important to all In verse number 38. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. She said, Here I am, Lord, send me. I'm your handmaid. I am your servant. I am here to do whatever you ask me to do. Knowing full well that for a woman to be pregnant and unmarried at this time was an abomination to her people. She could face death. Women who were caught in adultery were ordered to be stoned by the Levitical law. Some historians would tell us that Mary at this point is only about 13 years old. The Bible never gives us that information, and I don't know where they got it from, but she was a very young woman. But she was not naive. She understood what was to come. She understood the hardships of labor 
She understood the hardships of life raising a child. And yet she was willing. Now, in the book of Luke, Mary is really the only one that we see spoken to, but we know from the book of Matthew that the angel also comes to Joseph. So let's go back to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew, uh, each of the Gospels is giving a different picture of Christ. The book of Luke is presenting Christ as a man living and breathing. So Luke's focus is more on his early life, on how he came to be. The book of Matthew focuses or is giving a picture of the King Jesus in coming. And that's why Matthew goes all the way back in, chapter, in verse number 1. It says, The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And it goes all the way back from Abraham on to prove that Christ was Jewish and he is in the lineage of David. So we get to verse number 18. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise... When his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. And Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord, spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted as God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not, till she had brought forth her firstborn son. And he called his name Jesus. The Bible tells us that Joseph, when he found out that Mary was pregnant, reacted in a way that we would not expect. Most men at this time, finding out that their espoused wife is pregnant with another man's child, or pregnant before they came together, would have sought the Levitical law. Would have refused to marry her. Would, would have not wanted to mar their inheritance. We go all the way back to the book of Ruth and we understand that the, the first redeemer, the closer kinsman that was given was not willing because he didn't want to mar his inheritance. But Joseph was a just man. He didn't want to make her a public example so he thought to put her away. He thought to hide her, to save her from the shame. Joseph loved her no matter what the world thought of her. He didn't want her to be stoned. He wanted to provide for her safety and for the safety of the baby. He was concerned about a baby that he obviously knew was not his before the angel ever appeared to him to tell him what had happened. 
But most importantly of all, when God's plan was revealed to him, he simply obeyed and became the father, the earthly father of the Son of God. No question, no concern. Just simple obedience. Oh, that we would have that kind of faith. I said it last week or the week before that I, I fought God for three years knowing full well that he wanted me to come back here because this is where he wanted me to pastor. To think of what could be if I'd have just come three years ago of where this church could be. And we know and understand that God took all of that into account and understood when I would finally come to my senses and realize and just have faith. But Joseph just obeyed. And he was given the blessing of raising the Son of God. But there are others here. We stopped short in Luke chapter 1. We stopped in verse number 38. But verse 39 continues. And Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into a city of Judah and entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leapt in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. And she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women. And blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in my ears, the babe leapt in my womb for joy. And blessed is she that believe, believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced. In God my Savior, for he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaid. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name, and his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He hath showed strength with his arm. He hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things and the rich hath sent empty away. He hath holden, holpen his servant Israel in, in remembrance of his mercy. And he spake to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. And Mary abode with her about three months and returned to her own house. John and Elizabeth had a reaction. Mary went and spent about three months with her cousin who was already six months pregnant. Now, just in that, if Elizabeth was six months pregnant and Mary spent three months there with her, six plus nine, or six plus three is nine, that's roughly how long it takes for a baby to come into this world. I believe that Mary was present when John was born. If you continue down, verse number 58, it says, And her neighbors and her cousins heard how the Lord had showed great mercy upon her, and they rejoiced with her as Elizabeth's full time was come. 
But that's that's a sidetrack. But it is interesting to think that she got to witness the birth of John the Baptist. But the Bible does tell us that as soon as Mary's salutation was heard, that the baby John leapt in Elizabeth's womb, and that Elizabeth began to prophesy. She rejoiced that the mother of her Lord should come. She rejoiced. But notice, notice Mary's response here as well. She says, Magnify the Lord. My spirit rejoiced in God my Savior. And then as you read down through verses 47 through 55, all the things that she lists that God did are all listed in past tense. All the things that He's done for her, all the things that He's done for Israel, all the things He's done for those that are wicked. It's all in the past. Now this not this is not because Luke is recounting something that has already happened. This is not because Luke is telling the story and telling it from Mary's perspective. This is because as we looked at in the book of Ruth, as we looked at have looked at several times in the book of Judges, God had already provided for all of this to happen. All the way back in Genesis chapter 3, he had provided for the salvation of the world. For us, we need to understand we have the rest of the story. We know that Christ went to Calvary, that he died for our sins, that he was buried, and that he rose the third day, conquering death and hell. We know that he ascended into heaven and left the apostles here to gather the church. And we know that one day he's going to return. That we're going to hear the shout, the voice of the Lord, and we're going to gather to meet him in the air, and then he's going to return and set foot on this earth and reign for a thousand years until the devil is loosed, and then all evil is cast into the lake of fire. And we'll spend the rest of eternity in heaven with God. Mary was able to face what was coming because she knew what God had already done. Joseph was able to take Mary as his wife and, and face what was coming because he knew what God had already done. So oftentimes in our lives... We think, man, if God would just speak to us. We looked in the book of John, uh, that looking at Lazarus and the rich man, and the rich man said, but if one would go from the dead to my five brothers, they would believe us. And Abraham said, but they have Moses and the prophets. We have Moses and the prophets. We have the apostles. We have the book of Revelation. God has already spoken to us. He has already revealed the end of our direction, the end of our path. We just have to have faith and do it. Next week, we're going to take a closer look at the reaction of those around when Christ was born. The reaction of the wise men, the reaction of those in Bethlehem, the reaction of those 
in the temple that awaited the birth of Christ. And the angels and the shepherds. What we need to understand today is it happened. He came to this earth. He lived a life for us. He died on the cross. He was buried. And he rose again the third day. We need to understand that it happened for us. Because all the way back in the book of Genesis, God promised Eve that she would send a, that he would send a son through her seed that would bruise the head of Satan, that would conquer evil. Because for God so loved the world that he sent he gave his only begotten son. And we must believe its results. As we go this week, this last week leading up to Christmas, as we seek God's face and pray, prepare to be that light that shines as we go and visit our families and visit, see those in the street. This time of year, everybody, most everybody seems to at least be a little happier listening to the Christmas music. and We need to just have faith that God put each and every person that we interact with in our life for a reason. Those interactions are not by chance. They are by design. So have a smile. Say Merry Christmas. Take the opportunity to present our Lord and Savior that came to this earth and died for us. And just trust that God is going to use it.